So how I got started in pest control is obvious through my father. My name is Edward J. Sheehan. Joseph P. Sheehan, Colony Pest Management, Brooklyn, New York. Colony Confidential is about money. I said I want cash. Business and family. Working with family is the toughest fucking thing you'll ever have to do. Or it could be the best. Man. Colony Confidential. This all has to be edited, deleted, and burned. There's no script to be read. Okay. I'm carrying this show. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Hello? <laughs> yeah. Who do you think comes up with this crap, Shane? Some jerk some jerk that uh needs to get a little more street smart. Some of it ain't bad though, I tell you. So I got a question for you. What do you think about the possibility of us being more PG for possible national and international sponsors? I think Mm, what does PG mean? I had the same exact thought. Like, is PG mean we can still be ourselves and we just have to do bleeps? Or is it that we can't be ourselves and we have to say things nah, like, golly know, gee Willikas? I don't know. You know, to me, as you know, I always went with the money. But this stage, we're having too much fun doing this thing. So, so yes, you, if... You, 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 you're saying PC, not PG, right? No, I'm saying PG. P, no, 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 not PC. They'll never get PC out of you. Right. What is PG? I don't know. Like the cursing. Like I don't know. Like you said, I'm not 100 percent sure if it's if it's the cursing in general or if it's that bleeping everything. Well, you gotta let me know, then I could answer the question. I mean, well, why don't just answer both? What? If it's that we can't curse anymore. (sighs) Well, you know, with a little thought, I think we can put in less offensive words that still mean the same thing. Instead of shit, we could say shite. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, jeesh, gosh, I don't know. Holy crap. Well, I don't. That just, it sounds it, wrong. It, it, that mother humper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'll probably be fun for two shows. Yeah. Well, why, why, why does this question come up? Did you get Because somebody told me that it'd be tough for them to sell the show to their national sales per, uh, advertising person because um, what you call I see a lot of shows on television where they just bleep the words well the truth is, is that I told everybody that we're coming to pest world and we're getting sponsors one way or the other so could we still say like dickhead <laughs> I would say probably not yeah. why don't we do a test one where we no cursing and see how it sounds it might be funny but to who though we just do it for ourselves. Five minutes of talk and we would, whatever. Sample. <clears throat> yeah, all right. So what are we going to talk about? Today? Yeah. Let's be positive. Okay. So, Colony Pest Management has picked up its fourth bed bug dog. Um, we're moving in a new direction with uh, our canine scent division. The new canine's name is Synergy. Um, Sin for short. We will most likely call him Sin. We picked him up from uh, down on the Bowery. They picked him up on the Bowery. No, we picked him up from Pepe Dogs last week. We went out for training, and uh, he'll be he'll be with us as of the twenty second. And he's uh, we're gonna start going. He's Cosmo, Cosmo two He's a Jack Russell, but a short legged Jack Russell, and has the same amount of energy. He's he's a firecracker for sure. My, myself and um, Issa, the, who's going to be the regular handler, both passed the Nesdeka training, uh, not the Nesdeka certification. Anybody listening out there with uh, 
canine scent detection dogs will be in Maryland in the beginning of October for that canine pro workshop. Uh, everybody I know that goes says it's amazing. Uh, a couple of our teams have been there over the past five years. Hammerhead. What? There's, that's noise. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, J.O. <laughs> when they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, uh, you know, yeah. that's a lie. Yeah. yeah. It's a lie. Yeah. yeah. Well, He's the yeah. old dog right now. And, and yes. the other guy, this guy I'm with today. He's what a, guy are you with today? You. A real life prima donna. You got to sit in a certain place because that's the way it's going to be. The wire is not long enough. Wah. First of all, first of all, I'm sitting. So for everybody out there, I mean, we might, there's some video potentially. I'm protecting my employee's desk. Colony Pest Management is growing somewhat, and we had to move somebody to the second floor, which used to be the executive suite. Now everyone's up here. So I'm protecting my employee's desk from your nonsense, crummy. You got soda, you got crumbs all over the she place. You got soda too. Yes, but if I spill it, it's different. And I'm, I probably won't spill it. <laughs> if you spill it, it still gets spilled. How is that different? Because I own the place. Good answer. All right, so really came here today to talk about some more HR stuff. So I'm just going to read something here right now that we glommed off of the internet. It was just a picture. Reasons why professionals would leave their job. 20% is due to bad pay and bad benefits. 18% offered a better rate. 17% unclear career advancement. And 10% bad work environment. Now, anybody out there that has that 10%, that's the first thing you got to clean up right away. You got to identify that bad work environment and nip it in the bud. At Colony, we try and do morale questionnaires on a quarterly basis, if not more. And we gauge morale if we think morale is low or something's off we might throw a morale questionnaire out where we add five we throw five questions out there to try and gauge it it's anonymous we give everybody a week to fill it out but that that 10 percent is the worst what do you think you know basically you know to sum it up in a nutshell somebody wants you know i i mean i'm, I'm really going out on a limb they need to look forward to come to work you know there's got to be a place that they enjoy there's got to be like say the word fun and uh, you encourage employees, uh, if they're doing a good job, they are going to become um, on a somewhat friendly basis with the clients. And you build that relationship with them. Of course, you're following up every once in a while, just going around or having somebody go around for quality assurance and everything. But you want, you want a happy employee. There's several methods to do it. Um, he's got to feel, and I, and I use this word in one of our other broadcasts, he's got to feel loved. He's got to feel appreciated. What did you call it? A bribe cast? What did you just say? Prior cast. Prior, oh, a prior cast. Podcast. Oh. Yeah, the guy's got to feel that he's appreciated. You know, he's not just like being treated like a piece of excrement. And you're going to have a happy employee. So a lot of this come, goes back to some of our earlier episodes on retention, the HR 101, HR 102, where we talk about good benefits, company culture, um, making sure that you have processes and you have a handbook and that everybody knows what they're in for and what they need to do to get to where they want to go with your company. The only one that, that's not covered in all of those processes in your handbook is the bad work environment. A bad work environment is could be you as the owner 
you as the manager or you as the technician or any other level that, you know, that one bad apple spoils the bunch thing. When you have a bad apple, definitely if it's an owner or a manager, that certainly spoils the whole bunch. If you just have a bad technician who's a miserable uh, person, see that? See how I didn't curse? Then um, that'll take longer. That'll spread more like a cancer would spread. But when it's the boss or the owner, it, it goes much quicker because people don't want to come to work. A bad work environment is about engaging your employees and making sure that you're in the day-to-day -day and, and can get a sense for how, how they're feeling and then correcting it, asking the right questions, maybe that morale questionnaire or maybe even pulling a couple of people aside and making sure everything's all right and asking them serious questions about you know how, how their work life is and everything like that. You want to encourage um, something to, for these employees to strive for. Whatever, how many sick days they get a year. Some people give 10, some people give 10, 12, some people give none. I'm going to use number five. So if you come in and you're never, you know, you're not out, you're not using your sick days, then two weeks before Christmas, I would give you five days pay. So that's something for you to shoot for, something to work for. There's all little goals that you can put in front of these guys or gals. Um, and... You know, I, pest control can become quite boring if you're on the same route day after day, the same person, month after month, same stories and stuff like that. And, of course, you're a very good exterminator if you're with Colony. So you've got everything under control. Hopefully, we would have another position for you uh, higher up the chain so that it gives you something to progress to. Um, you could go for, I'm going to say lower echelon accounts. And what does that mean? That means accounts under $10,000, and you could go up to accounts, say, for fifty dollars or $60,000, which, you know, require more expertise, of course. So, you, you know, I always felt like when I was an employee a long time ago, they gave me something to shoot for. My first thing I wanted to shoot for was money, and I made more money in pest control than I made in the bank. And after that, I wanted knowledge. So I, I had, listen, I worked for four different companies in one year because when you stopped teaching me, or you weren't teaching me anything, I was gone. And then finally, the final company I worked for, I was there for, I think, three years, three and a half years. I was always working my way up the chain uh, to foreman, and then eventually I ran that pest control division for that company. And what I noticed once I became foreman and I was a troubleshooter, life became much more exciting and more fun because I was always solving problems. I wasn't going to the same place month after month, day after day, um, so yes, but the other thing too with that is you need to identify your uh, some would some would uh, an easy frame is um, not, I was get, I was getting to that next in one of my previous episodes, which I was going to say before I was interrupted. One of your previous episodes? Yes, one of our. All right, you're mm, in. I'm sorry, um, I forgot you had a star anyway, of the show. That's true. Um, anyway, uh, I had been in my office. Um, dressing down somebody and my sainted mother rest in peace was there and she scolded me for you know yelling at the guy when another guy was in there I was talking calmly to him I did tell her that she needed to take care of praying and cooking and I would take care of the business but the point here is that uh, I referred yeah, to myself story before yeah, I told it. I'm telling it again. Say somebody, you know, some people might Tell not have me got about it. it. My life. Anyway, no, no, they could re-listen to you're it. You're like a band want. leader. You got to know you. You got to know your help. You got to know who's working for you. What do they need? Some need money. Some need love. Some need a kick in the ass occasionally. You know, 
Some also like monotone work. And and I, honestly, for, for the day-to-day technicians that are – that if you get a, a technician that is an awesome technician and never wants to be in charge – you got to hold on to him and he might be a highest paid technician if he's really that good but you need to be you need to identify that he, he could be that guy that wants to work 8 hours works very good but he just wants to go home he doesn't want any overtime as long as he understands that there's a ceiling on that pay and you'll probably at best get a cost of living or CPI or 3% whichever's less and, and he also annually. has to, he also has to understand that somebody so maybe he's been with the company 5 years and somebody else has been there two years is now in a position of authority. He needs to understand that that day is going to come. Hey, I just checked my watch. We did the 10 minutes without cursing. Oh, that's great, 10 minutes without cursing. Uh, fuck out of here. What I was saying was is for somebody like that uh, who only wants to be a service technician and doesn't want to go further, you would reinforce that in the annual review where you would say, hey, last year we spoke about this and we, we said you could be a good supervisor. You said you didn't want to. You know, remember we said if you're ever interested, let us know if you want to be a supervisor and if the position's there. In the meantime, somebody, you know, you may end up with a boss that hasn't been here as long as you. And you, you just, you know, you make sure that you have that conversation with them so that they know. And we have a couple of guys that work for us that don't want any real responsibility like that. And that's fine. We tell them now, like, look, we, we identify them like, uh, do you want, you know, you got to identify people that you think could go on a supervisor or we have different supervised utility tech, lead tech, service manager. You know, you got to identify people from within and we'd like to promote from within and, and bring it up to them and see how they feel. Um, you got to respect somebody that doesn't want to do it or says they don't think they could do it. If somebody that knows what they're capable of, you know, that's a great employee. And is honest with you. It's, it's uh, perfect. The other thing I want to tell you about this age age difference. Age difference, to me, I could explain it two ways. An older employee can give a newer employee a lot of advice out in the field. And as far as older, retired people in my, um, in my time made excellent employees. They weren't in a hurry to go anywhere. They only wanted to work two days a week. They were great on big accounts because they really dressed well and they knew how to talk because they had been in business for several years. And all they wanted to do was make a little walking around money every week. And um, I, these guys that I hired were somewhere between 65 and 72. Of course, you're limited on how much time they're going to work for you because after around 72, they start to cramp up a little bit and then they really think it's time for that they should stop but while they're there um well, unless they're, they're you're unless you're marty katz that still works two days a week and is 80 years old yes 80? well martin katz is a legend in new york city pest control uh-huh. for those of you that don't know who i'm talking about you probably realize that little sound i made that's got to be like a drop that uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah marty katz is um is a man with a very good heart and a fine human being. He just doesn't know when to shut the fuck up. And he doesn't know when to get out of your fucking face. Or stop asking questions. It's he funny. asks a lot of good questions. I he does, but, but he asks them and then tells you the answer at the same time, which is He's even... brilliant. Brilliant. You bring up a good point. 72, they hit a ceiling, right? So you have that in your head. But the whole thing is, we read an article about age diversity how and how to engage different age groups. 
in your workplace and at your job. And in there, they talk about age discrimination, which what you just said about the guy at 72 hitting a wall or whatever it was. Well, I didn't get rid of him. Fa- I'm not saying you, you did. You I'm just making leave. a point that that statement, it would be considered ageism. Listen, I'm some woman, t- could, say, just some woman could say you winked at her and you're in, you're in deep shit today. So, you know, you're lucky you can take a decent You made the statement, though. That's all I'm just saying. Okay, fine. But what I said that was normal. I mean, if the guy wanted to stay past seven, I didn't, I didn't tell these guys you got to go. All of these older guys that work for me, they told me I can't do this anymore. My legs are cramping up. So, okay, do you fine. Just, do you just want to be right? Because I'll just yeah. tell. Oh, yes. you're right. You're right. Okay. You're Let's right. move on. You're right. All right. So we got a little, a little graph here that shows the priorities of different generations. We'll start with my generation. The baby boomers. The baby boomers are most interested in a good salary, friendly colleagues, and a good company culture. Now, I have to study this more <laughs> before I can go any further, but that's just an example. So, so if you want to get on to uh, the millennials, no, Generation X, they're uh, more interested. One of their interests is, of course, a good salary. And Well, I think, I think the, the take-home... Friendly home. colleagues and room for progression. Baby boomers seem to have the same uh, level of interest in a good salary, friendly colleagues, and great company culture, where other ones spike off the chart right, right. more. So you've probably only dealt with baby boomers and Gen Xers. Yeah. Yes, that's true. So I'm dealing with all four of these to a certain extent. And um, who's over 55? I've dealt with all four of these. Okay. You're over 55. You're pain in the ass. You can't deal with me. Go ahead. No, I deal with you quite well, actually. I would agree with some of this. I'm just so disgusted at the part that learning new skills is so low. But the pay is high. Like, I want to. I don't want to learn well, anything there's new, but I want to get problem. paid high. There's the problem. There's the problem. Somehow we got to make learning new skills palatable. Did you read this report? Because I got stuff underlined, and it says the full package. And it says some inexpensive ideas include flexible working. What does that mean, flexible working? I want to say this guy in Brazil that decided to let his employees choose their schedule. Now, it's not a service industry. I think the caveats are, well, like once you pick your schedule, it had to be for a year. And then there'd be like another time where you might be able to change your schedule. I think it was like all of the shifts had to be covered. It wasn't just like, hey, pick your shift and that's great. And if you want to change week to week, there were ways to do it. But his, what was his production up? Like 50% or something, right, Patrice? The numbers across the board were like 50% or better of an increase. Is this a factory setting? Yeah. He allowed all of his employees to pick their shifts. And they had to hold it for a year, I think I remember. But, you know, he had issues with production and it wasn't meeting where he wanted it to be. And when after the first year and, and it was longer than a year that they'd been doing it, but his production was up 50 percent. Morale was up over 50 percent. And it, it just showed that it was a better way for, for his company to work. Now, everything doesn't translate to a service industry. However, when I was at an event in North Carolina last year, there was a woman from Tennessee who was finishing up the schedule for January 1 to implement a four-day work week. And I'm interested when I go back to this event this year to see how it went. And I'm, I'm almost positive they'll have her back because everybody was like, I want to do that. 10-hour day, 10-hour shifts. Also, um, for flexible working, uh, I interpreted that. I didn't interpret it. I just played by the top of my head. Somebody had a boat. They wanted to go fishing. 
So we pitched them the ideas. Well, why don't you do the early morning routes in Manhattan? Like you start at 4 o'clock, you'd be done by 12.30. You go fishing in the afternoon. And that, that seemed to suit them pretty good for a while. If you remember, at one point we had a swing shift where a guy would work Monday, whatever, let's just say 8 to 4. That wasn't the exact time. And then he would work Tuesday, 8 to 4, and then 8 at night till 4 in the morning, was off all day Wednesday, worked Thursday, and then worked another double on Friday. That that's also would be considered a yeah. flex schedule. So I'm looking at this article here, and it also says... Or alternatively, consider your dress code. One perk might be allowing the staff to dress as they like. They can't do that. We have uniforms. They got to wear the uniform. This can be done in your office space. Okay. Yes, for the office staff, really, I think they should wear a company shirt. But there are certain things, and this goes down to an employee handbook and having a proper HR consultant help you with the handbook and making sure that there are, you know, dress code in the workplace with everything that's going on now between, you know, you still need some type of dress code like tank tops are not allowed and, you know, short shorts and, and there's stuff. There's actually stuff. Shorts are allowed for office staff at Colony in the summer. But the HR person told us that we needed to put something in about length of, of skirts and shorts for everyone. Just and we didn't I wouldn't I would have never thought of that. They're taking all the fun out of this business. But I wouldn't have thought of that. And she was like, he, she was like, listen, you, this is what it is for whatever. I don't remember. You're talking about either. shorts for the office staff, right? Not for the guys out in the field. Yes, just office staff. Guys in the field are not allowed to wear anything but long pants Thank and long you. sleeve shirts Thank as you. per the regulations on almost every single pesticide. Okay. All right. Just making sure, buddy. Yeah. I'm a bunch of candy dances but, out there. But uh, listen, the takeaway that I got from reading this article is yeah. that I mean, that we're ahead of the game and, and all of our HR, I, there's still little tidbits that you can get from it, but all of our HR series that we've come through thus far touch on this. One is company and culture. One is training and development. We've spoken about all of these things. One thing that I highlighted was um, it says you need to make sure you're offering the best possible packages for all staff. That means fast salaries for all so that no one feels underpaid or underappreciated. Now, anybody out there with a company, you sh all salaries should be based off skill set or position. You have, to, you, have to, you have to explain them a broad explanation of the um, salary when they get hired. And it has to be explained. Um, it's it's um, how can I put this? Uh, if you do a good job, you, your salary is going to go up. If you just that's like a duh conversation. Yeah, but some of these people are very duh duh duh. But the problem is, is that your statement is too vague, and that leads to them to think I'm doing a good job. I'm coming to work. I'm doing a good job. Fine. If and they if they meet the criteria. That we consider that's on paper. Moving, yes, that you we need can, this. We speak me, about this. Okay. Where you need to have a review, an annual review. But you should show them what what we expect on the paper, and maybe even get them to sign that they understand it. Well, yeah, of course. That's how the annual review would go. Realistically, don't you think some of these guys need more than an annual review? Yes, I, it depends on who they are and what's going on. Okay. When you're going to do someone's annual review, you should have the top five or top ten things. Technical abilities, Have they? what are they doing for professional development? Do they take initiative that should be taken into consideration? We have ten on our annual review, and they go into a little bit more depth, and they're scored from one to four. I'm not going to bore you with all ten of them. But um, you need to decide w what it is that you're looking for at your company for your review, Sheen.
What am I looking for in my company review? <laughs> you know, I, I'm. You know, I always set a goal on the routes. I wanted so much money per route, and if I see a guy is doing a good, uh, uh, coming in with his quota of money, and um, he's very happy about it, and I give him a test where I'll put on one more stop, and if he doesn't complain, I'll ask him. You know, how much more work do you think you could put on that stop? route realistically and some of them you're going to hear no no i'm full up right now someone will say like well i could do like two or three more so to me a guy like that if he's going to produce more money he's entitled to more money and after he does it and he does it well then you call him in and tell him listen you know you're producing more money for us i want to give you an extra 40 or 50 dollars a week so that's production basically i'm all in for production buddy and i got to make it happy for you and, and one of the ways i make it that you want to produce is by giving you money. The other thing is the office parties, um, which you have to cut down now because uh, um, some of my office parties back a long time ago were uh, epic. Uh, we had people um, didn't quite get out of the office until the next day when they were carried out. In any event, um, yeah, that's, that's you can't do that. Things. See, all the good times are gone now. They're ruining everything. It's the communists that are doing this. Anyway. Do you want to hear something crazy? Sure. Do you remember when we were going to do the company Apple picking trip and I was going to get a bus for all the people that don't have uh, their own yeah. vehicles, thinking yeah. that that would be the better way to go about it and them not driving company vehicles? Yeah. Do you know that anybody on that bus, if something were to happen, if their bus got into an accident, it would be a worker's compensation claim <gasps> and not, not an auto accident claim? And that it wouldn't fall under the bus, even though the bus company has insurance, it would not fall under them. It would fall under Colony's workers' comp. HR and insurance is killing company fun. Those sons of bitches. But when I heard that, I was like, come on, man, that's crazy. That's insane. How do you keep a guy that's a borderline employee, like he's just doing enough to stay, he's not enthusiastic. He doesn't seem to be a happy camper. Um, what you do with an employee like that is, you um, you interview a lot of people to take his place, and you get rid of him. Because you know what's funny though, that's like a cancer in your, your company. We had this conversation. I want to say about six months ago. I was told, you know, you need to try a couple of things because this might be a sleeper employee going along, coming to work, a couple sick days, a couple late days. And then some money was thrown at him to do the right thing. A come to Jesus conversation was had with him. He finally did the things that we were asking and is now uh, a pretty good employee and making the money that he should have been making a year ago. And now he's making it now because it took him so long and we explained that to him. And now that he sees what he could make, he uh, a, another one that finally was motivated by money. So one of the things we did to encourage employee appreciation of me the company and also of each other as we'd have like a annual company picnic we went upstate to a lake but the company paid for everything of course the guys wives brought their special dishes too to impress each other and it was a lot of beer drinking um in my company uh we didn't supply you with trucks or cars or skates or bikes we you bought you had a car and we no paid, skates no skates uh and we um we uh uh paid you a weekly allotment for using your car and 
that was one of the that was a lot of fun because we'd play softball. Uh, I remember there was a gentleman that worked for me could drink um, um, quite a quantity of beer. Would show up uh, for the event with uh, two cases of beer, chilled, sit in a, a picnic chair, laugh and have a good time. And after one and a half cases of beer, he got up, and everybody be throwing money down. They want to bet how long he could uh, urinate for. And <laughs> it was quite a long time. Uh, it, uh, that aside, I actually have fond memories of those uh, summer picnics and have incorporated similar things into college. You know, the guys play to play with, they, they play with each other with playing horseshoes, uh, badminton, and playing a lot of, and, and a lot of laughs. And it was just, you know, it was great to bring them together. So our flagship party was the Christmas party, which I mentioned in another episode when a former friend and employee who had passed away had, you know, he would come down and visit us. And if you saw the, if you listened to the other one, you know what I mean. But I remember one particularly raucous party. Um, you know, the, the crews were changing. I was getting younger guys. They didn't know this former employee. So, and these guys liked to drink. And I remember I had like a, I don't know, 200-gallon fish tank in the wall of my office. And I had been out. I got to the party late, believe it or not. <clears throat> and they got a fishing pole, and they're trying to, get, they're trying to hook these fish. These, <laughs> some of them were pretty big. Anyway, you know, I stopped that. And we were dancing and playing music and singing and laughing. And, you know, guys passing out on the desk. It was a good party when that happened. Then you throw them in a cab and send them home. <laughs> And some of the guys brought their wives. They were not the ones that passed out on the desk. They were pretty well. They had a, everybody had a good time. The, party, the Christmas party I used to look forward to that all the time. And then it was all sort of bonus parties. Like if if we landed a city contract or a contract over fifty thousand dollars a year, Friday was a party. We'd have a big hero in there, plenty of beer, um, cookies, you know, whatever you wanted. Whatever we had a we had a list on what guys like. This guy likes chocolate. Get a chocolate cake, whatever. And um, it was just to show that, you know what, I couldn't have got those bids. I couldn't have won the bids. I couldn't do the work without my staff. So I was showing appreciation for the staff, and we all had a lot of laughs. And, you know, and, and these parties were good because as the parties progressed, the same party and things got a little, let use the term wilder, well, got friendlier and friendlier. People would tell me things they normally wouldn't tell me. Um, that, that was another thing about golf. If you came to play golf, not 18-hole golf, miniature golf down in uh, uh, Reese Park. And that's not one of these little miniature golf courses that you hit a ball into a no, cup. it's called a par three. Par three. It's, I called it an executive course. Just the shortest hole is 50 yards, and the longest hole is like 149. Or 150. Anyway, um, that was a good day. We paid, we paid for them to play golf, and you would team up with different guys and— yeah, you'd learn a, you'd learn a little more about the guys, and I'm sure they learned a little bit more about me. But that was another another thing where I wasn't your boss. We were just playing. And yes, money was bet on who was going to win or who could make it closest to the hole. Allegedly, stuff like that. I'm tired of this allegedly shit. It's true. It was well, years ago. The time limitations ran out. It was back in 1890. Fuck that shit. Uh, with the article that we read recently and everything like that, it, it, it kind of makes sense, right? But I think every business owner wants everyone to mesh and like each other. You're going to have, I think you have to understand as an owner that you're going to have pockets or clicks or whatever you want to call it of people that, you know, that. Then there's always people that won't show up. I don't want to show up. Yeah. You don't got to show up. 
But I, I just want to interject this. One of the other things at the Christmas party, one of my employees made a belt, and somehow he got a, um, a uh, Budweiser beer can, and he cut the Budweiser label, and he made it a belt like on a WWE belt. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, then he, had, he had bottle caps all around the belt, right? Right. right. Yeah, and then they'd, they'd have a big contest. <laughs> Who is the champion beer drinker of the, of the, of the company? remember that they would chug they would do they would chug one beer right was that what it was yeah you you can see how fast you could drink yeah. a beer but they do it after they've drank several beers you know they <clears throat> they had to warm up for it yeah yeah company cultures no i could not imagine doing that right now i i i could imagine it being done at a party but i could imagine not endorsing it at all and well, not, we'd have to get them know, to sign a release <laughs> you're on your own you gotta freaking sign a release for everything. You can't have fun at a company anymore. No, it sucks. They took all the fun out of it. Think about it. As we the go, communists, though, it's only, the it's communists only gonna get worse. Socialists did that. What socialist? J.O.? Socialist. Socialist. They did that. They ruined all the Christmas parties. It's probably people your age that did all this crap. What? Ruined things. No, we would never do that. And you got to remember, too, that we live in, in New York, which is heightened sensitivity to sensitivity. When we were picking up the dog in Florida recently, one of the guys there was telling us that where we were is a ton of liberals. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I thought Republican. I thought uh, Florida was a Republican state and a lot of conservatives. To hear him talk and to hear uh, some of the other people speak about uh, the stuff down there. I mean, you, Sheen, you might, you might need to become a snowbird or, or a permanent Florida bird. I'm going to North Carolina with Jamie. Oh, okay, good. Well, I, real estate will probably be cheap right now. And pig. <laughs> well, listen, that's fine. Whatever house you get, I'll pay the mortgage. Just give me the beach house here, right? Uh, okay. You're going to take over the beach house? Yeah. Let me call the painter and tell him to forget it. No, no. <laughs> so today was a rough day. Uh, we came in, and the prima donna, as I am fondly being referred to now, had some issues. No, a diva. That's fine. I'll take it. We're going to wrap up for today. Don't forget, September 30th, Sunio Westbury's annual polo and lawn party. I am being honored um, for an alumni award. But either way, the event is a great event. If you've never seen polo, it is, it is something to be seen. Send us your craziest stories at email at colonyconfidential at gmail.com. We are going to pick two of the craziest pest stories, and we're going to invite you to come with us to Polo. You want to say, you want to say goodbye to Mr. and Mrs. America out Listen, there? Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea on September 30th. I'll probably be in Moscow, Russia. This is no bullshit. I'm going over there and solve all our problems. We're creating a lot more, one or the other. Have a great time at Polo. Hopefully, I look forward to seeing you there next year. Ta-ta for now, and God bless. Once again, thank you for listening to Colony Confidential. Don't forget, October 22nd through October 26th, we will be at Pest World in the Dolphin and Swan Hotels in Disney. Booth 2230. Look out for our roving reporters. We're going to be throughout the entire exhibit hall looking for comments and great stories.